0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally recorded live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquid Church, living water for a thirsty world. For free video and more, visit us at liquidchurch.com.
1: God be with you, mighty Warrior! <laughs> now you're supposed to say, and with you. So let's just try this again, okay? We want to make sure we got this, okay? God be with you, mighty warrior. And with you. Okay, I understand the confusion. Some of you didn't know it was in your DNA that you were a warrior, that that's part of uh, your destiny. And you should have known. How many of you got a fortune cookie on the way in? Do you get that? Hold that up. Now, how many of you ate the fortune cookie during worship? Yeah, I know. I, okay. Oh, open, it, open it up. Let's, let's open this thing up together. You can see it. Let me get my sword. I'm going to open this thing up, crack it with that. If you, uh, all, everyone together, if you hold up your fortune, let's all read this together. Big, loud voice, all of our campuses, the Lord is with you. What? Mighty warrior, Judges 6, 12. And some of you may be thinking, no, 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 no you got the wrong person. <laughs> I'm not a warrior. <laughs> uh, if this was for me, it would say, you know, God be with you, mighty, uh, Starbucks barrister. <laughs> God be with you, mighty soccer mom, you know, but warrior, not. not, no, I mean, yeah, you, the larger context for this verse is actually from the Old Testament scriptures. It reveals that actually you have it in your blood as Exodus 15, three says, the Lord is a what? A warrior. The Lord is his name. This is fascinating, but the ancient scriptures actually give God this title, the Lord God almighty, which literally translates in the Hebrew to God of the angel armies in other words being a warrior is part of god's essential nature it is who he is and catch this the lord is with you mighty warrior in other words you are made actually in god's image every man every woman every is made in the image of god who is a what a warrior it's part of your god-given dna and that's why i said god be with you mighty warrior You're going to get this by the end of the series. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, You can call me uh, Sensei, I guess, for the next couple of weeks, but I'm glad you're with us for our new series, which we're looking at the art of warfare and really how to train and discipline ourselves to become black belts in the art of integrity. Because life out there is not just a struggle at times, it is a battle. Um, Did you ever feel that way? That from the moment you wake up, you're kind of actually being opposed or or plotted against, And, and, and some of you are like, well, all right, I have some you know, bad Mondays, but, but that's a little dramatic. Maybe, maybe a little paranoid. Don't you think? I mean, like I get the metaphor warrior battle, all that, but that's not what life is really about. Right. I mean, at least the Christian life, we know the Christian life is supposed to be peaceful and, and polite, you know, like here we look at us. Here we are. We go to church. We listen to star 99 one. It's safe for the whole family. And, and, and like, you know, life is a battle. I'm a warrior. That seems a little overblown. If you ask me really, let me, let me ask you a question. Let's say this afternoon you went home and, and, you, and you took a nap. It's a nice fall day. And you woke up, though, to find yourself, and you're not on the couch. Now you're lying in the middle of the woods. And you wake up and you realize you're in a very different story. You're not in New Jersey anymore. And, and as you sit up, you realize something's changed. For starters, you can't, like, quite see, there, there's, and you feel around, and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a helmet on my head. <laughs> And you touch your chest and it bangs because you're wearing some sort of armor. And as you get up, you're getting kind of jabbed in the ribs because around your waist, you're actually carrying this. This is a katana. This is a samurai sword. If you were to wake up this afternoon after nap, in that story, what would you assume that story is about, right? A battle, a war. And what's your role? I I guess I'm the the street sweeper. I don't know. You may think that's far-fetched, but scripture actually says that's exactly the reality that we wake up to every day of our lives. We put a Bible in your seat there. And if you would take that, we're going to put the lights up so you can read Ephesians 6. It's on page 813, actually, of the ancient scriptures. This goes back about 2,000, 2,300 years or so. And Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then you pick up verse 13. Therefore, put on the what? Let's read it together. Full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, coming, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And in other words, Paul's like this. He's like, there's more going on than meets the eye in your life. It's not just work and family and kids and vacation and and concerts and and weekends. There there are schemes, Paul's saying. There are spiritual forces in the heavenly realms who are actually not interested in seeing you grow in Christ or prospering in your life with God and and not to freak you out. Okay, we're not trying to freak you out here. But are actively working to sabotage your relationships. To actually trip up your walk and actually deep six the most important things in your life. Which is why he instructs us look at verse 14. He says, stand what? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And it's like, okay, according to Paul, what's the context of the Christian life? Battle. (laughs) It's hand-to-hand combat. If you look at verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you got a sword in your hand and this will make more sense to you as we get into it. But I want you to consider the scriptures for a minute because the God of all creation has said, life is a battle. I am the ultimate warrior and you are made in my image and what? I am with you, mighty warrior. As C.S. Lewis famously wrote, he said, enemy occupied territory. That's what this world is. And that's actually why we're doing this series. So we could actually train together, learning some of the ancient spiritual disciplines that you'll be challenged to actually work into your everyday life if you want to live and actually conquer in your spiritual life. Because there are traps laid out there for each of us in this room. And we're going to expose many of them throughout this, this fall series and hopefully equip you that you can have some tools, not only to fight back, but actually, actually have some victory. I want you to think of this as kind of like a Kung Fu guide for spiritual survival. That's what the series is. All right. Are you guys ready? So let's try it one more time. Let's see if you got this. Ready? God be with you, mighty warrior. Awesome. Let's get started this way. We're going to be anchoring our series in the book of Proverbs, which is totally appropriate. Why? Because Proverbs is the book of what? Wisdom, Right? It's a proverb. You guys know. You guys know this. Uh, Even if you don't go to church, everyone knows who who goes out to eat. A proverb is like the thing you get in a fortune cookie. Right? It's kind of a short, pithy saying that usually contains an insightful truth about life. Like, he who... You know, it starts, he who. He who conquers himself shall never taste defeat. Uh, Proverbs express, like, like eternal, immutable truths about life. Like, he who uh, smelt it, dealt it. You know, things like that. (laughs) Or... How about about this one? I was looking at some of these up. uh, He who throws mud loses much ground. That's words of wisdom for our presidential campaign, right? I think my all-time favorite, I actually one time did get this. uh, I opened that up after like, you know, we went out to eat and everything and said, Help, I'm being held prisoner in in, in a Chinese bakery. Uh, It's an amazing idea. Proverbs. Our main one for today is Proverbs 10.9. Let's read this together, okay? The man of what? Integrity walks securely... But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And we gave you a pen so you could write this down. Would you click your pen? In your bulletin, we put a memory verse area there so you can begin working God's word into your heart and your life. And I hope you're going to commit a few of these to memory this fall. But it's the very foundation of the warrior ways kind of laid out here. The man of integrity walks securely. Integrity is a funny thing. And maybe the best definition I've heard of it is who we are in the dark. Or who we are when no one else is looking. And I know some of you are thinking about the big scandals and and things like that, but the reality is integrity is actually really about the small stuff in life, isn't it? Let, Let me give you an example. Who can tell me, easy question, we'll just start real easy today, okay? Who can tell me what sank the Titanic? Who can tell me? An iceberg. Okay, that's what most people automatically say, but the reality is it ain't true. That's not really true. This past spring, a new book came out, What Really Sank the Titanic? It was on the front page of the New York Times, and historians on earth, something actually much smaller was at the heart of that catastrophic failure. Does anybody know what this is? Anybody know? Yeah, that's a rivet. On the front page of the New York Times, researchers revealed, as they've been dredging up the remains of the Titanic, that the builder of the Titanic struggled for years to manufacture enough quality rivets for this massive ship that they were building. And in a rush to make the ship, they're actually making two at the same time, Titanic and Olympia, in a rush to get enough rivets, they actually cut corners and began manufacturing rivets made of substandard iron. You can actually see them here. These are some of the ones that they've been pulling up from the bottom of the ocean. Quite amazing. Obviously, a little bit bigger than this one, but they They went to the bottom of the ocean, recovered these samples of these rivets. There were over 3 million of them that held the Titanic together. And what they discovered as they tested the integrity of these rivets, they actually manufactured them with the same smelting process and then put them through steel plates of a ship and began exerting pressure, is that when the pressure got so much, they literally began popping all their heads off and catastrophically failed. So in other words, 96 years ago, an oversized ice cube exerted some pressure on a boat. But the rivets, this little guy, catastrophically failed. Three million of them loosening and popping off the seams of the boat simultaneously and tons of icy seawater rush in. You know the rest. 1,500 people perished. What they were shocked to discover is that they've been bringing up the Titanic is that there was no gaping gash, Titanic-sized gash in the wreck at all. But actually, mainly a series of smaller seams that just burst under pressure. So the Titanic, whose name, think about this, the Titanic, the name was meant to be synonymous with grandeur and strength and opulence, relied on cheaper materials that lacked integrity. They cut corners on on, on the small things. Rivets made in a hurry, substandard iron, and, and fatally flawed. And so in other words, historians say, what sank the Titanic? This the small stuff. And, and when you think about integrity, you begin to realize that life is, life is really about the rivets, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about the small stuff that actually sinks us. It's, it's cutting corners. It's building a life that looks impenetrable on the outside, but when the pressure comes, it's true integrity actually is, is revealed. Now, here's the deal. Everyone in this room and watching online are at a different place when it comes to integrity, it's kind of like martial arts. My a little boy takes Taekwondo, and you gotta know how that goes. You know, you got a white belt, like for beginners or just starting out. You know, yellow is when you're, you're kind of like moving up. Orange, green. I think then it goes like blue. Is it brown and like black belt and everything? We all, not, but none of us are black belt. None of us are perfect, or or we're masters or there yet. Let's just acknowledge that each of us has character flaws, okay? Whether it's big or little, we all got stuff, okay? Maybe when it comes to the small stuff of life, for instance, you, you, you think about it, you steal pens and paper, you know, from, from the office. You're like, oh, all right, you found me out. I, I know, I take the post-it notes home. Or maybe you enjoy gossiping, right? You, you love God, you love others, but just once in a while, it's just like my little thing I do, you know. Or once a year you do it, you underreport your taxes. Or more, more than that, it's not even a financial thing, you exaggerate your successes. You, you kind of love to tell a story and, you story. Know, or, or maybe you are a thief, not not... Material, but you rip off your kids' quality time for work instead, or you bail on your friends in your time of need. We're all at, at, at different points when it comes to integrity. Maybe you, maybe it's bigger. Maybe you surf porn during you know work hours, or maybe you spend a lot of time working for God, but actually no time with Him. The bottom line is, wherever you are on that belt assessment, we all got issues. Because we're made, as I said at the beginning, in the image of a perfect God. The word that the Bible uses for that is holy, right? In other words, he has perfect moral character. But our seams are actually cracked. And the problem with flawed integrity is that it's actually the foundation on which everything else in your life is built. Because life is all about the rivets. Look at Proverbs ten nine again. Would you look at that? The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Would you circle that word integrity? Because this is fascinating as I, as I got into this. The word integrity, and now the math geeks are going to all perk up. The word integrity comes from a word that you know from math. The word what? Integer. What's an integer? It's a unit of one. In other words, it's a whole number. It's, it's perfectly complete. There are no decimals. That's where integrity comes from, from integer. And so the whole Hebrew concept here is, is saying this. Integrity is about wholeness, completeness, a life that is integrated. Catch this? Integrity is not perfection. Oh, I'm perfect. No, it means you're an integrated person. You are the same person in every situation, under pressure or not. You don't have to remember who you are depending on what you're doing or, 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 or what hits you. Your life is integrated. It's not compartmentalized, which is critical. When you're building a life or a ship. One of the reasons people believe the Titanic um, was unsinkable, that's actually how it was advertised, unsinkable, is that it was the first ship that was designed to be compartmentalized. It was designed with multiple compartments. Take a look at the blueprints here. This is fascinating. I love doing this kind of stuff. The blueprints that you see up on screen here show that this was the first ship ever that they said, we got a great idea. Let's build it to be a compartmentalized ship. See the there. The logic being, even if the boat gets a hole in it, Water will only flood one or two compartments rather than the whole ship. It, it'll be contained. We can, it even gets over here that we can keep the damage separate from the rest of the ship. It will withstand pressure because it's compartmentalized. We keep the different parts separate. The only problem with that is that the Titanic team that designed it overlooked kind of the founding principle of Shipbuilding 101. A boat with a hole in it is a boat with a hole in it. <laughs> A boat taking on water in one area is a boat that will inevitably take on water in all areas. That belief that we can separate or compartmentalize parts of our lives that are, are vulnerable or damaged and taking on water, and it won't really affect the rest of the thing, it's actually self-deception. Because God designed us to be integrated beings, integrity, put together, Each area of our life interconnected and actually consistent with the others. That's what a life of integrity is literally marked by in the Hebrew mind. Wholeness, oneness, completion. Your life is integrated. There's there's not Saturday night, Tim, and then Sunday morning, Tim. (laughs) There's not like the the, the public and then there's my private life. So the, the idea behind this Hebrew concept of integrity is that if your life is taking on water in one area... Even if you think it's private or try to minimize the damage at the back of the ship, it will eventually affect the rest of your life. If you have an addiction, for instance, you kept it hidden, I can take it over here, it will come out and it will affect your family and the ones you love and eventually take them down with you. Some of you can testify to that. I know many of you have shared your stories with me. Why? Because God designed us for integrity, to live as integrated beings. It's all connected no matter how hard we try to keep things separate or think we can sustain a little compromise over in this, this hidden area that's under the waterline. Because the deal is, when the pressure comes, it will eventually make it its way all the way up to the passenger's deck. Hillsong's Church in Australia actually learned this in a shocking way this summer. Some of you have heard of Hillsong's Church. We sing their, their, their songs here. Yeah, Incredible Church. They're, they're known for their powerfully moving worship music. They put on concerts, they kind of tour the world, just kind of kicking butt, taking names, amazing, amazing church. Well, a year or so ago, uh, one of their worship leaders, a guy named Michael Guglielmucci, he actually came out with an incredibly moving song called Healer. And it is a very poignant song because he, when you consider the circumstances under which Guglielmucci uh, told people that he wrote it, in 2006, he's a pastor at Hills Songs. he announced to his family and congregation that he was diagnosed with a terminal form of blood cancer, aggressive cancer. And his cancer inspired him to write this song, Healer. And uh, as he played that song across Australia, it actually became a a runaway number one hit, even on the secular charts. And if you watch the footage of his performance, you're going to see why. He would perform this song, Healer, in packed arenas with an oxygen tube in his nose. I mean, and you're going to see the power of this. A grown man with cancer pleading with God. To heal his illness, heal all my diseases is the line. Worshiping God in the midst of his painful sickness.
0: As a songwriter, I've written a fair few songs and that, but none that happened like this. It's a pretty crazy day. I went to the hospital expecting to have some tests and got the news that I had cancer and quite an aggressive form of cancer. I just went home, I knew I had to go home. Um, I just needed to get along with God, I suppose. I walked into my studio at home and uh, for some reason pressed record, which was a good thing, just set up a microphone. And I just sat at a piano and began to worship. sit down and write the verses and then the chorus and like I just sang that song from the start to the finish and um, like I was crying and I sort of finished and, and I just realized that God had given me an incredible gift and I knew that that song was going to be my strength. When you hear, um, you know, you're going to die or you know, this is terminal, you get your affairs in order, there's not a lot you can do. Like, what can I do to make this better? There's not much. And I put worship in the house all the time. And it was that, that I believe, that got me through, you know? Worship every day. We'd wake up and put it on. When I'm going to sleep, we'd put it on. There's not much else I could do but worship. And I'm still here.
1: It's powerful stuff. That, that, that footage was from a, a Hillsong's DVD that literally bestseller, Tens of thousands of copies sold around the world. It is a compelling story. It's heart-wrenching, really. Which, which made the revelation last month that Guglielmucci was lying. All the more tragic. <laughs>
2: We begin tonight with the Adelaide preacher who's conned his way into the lives and hearts of tens of thousands of his Christian followers. Michael Gugliamuchi, for two years, deceived not only his church, but his wife and family, making them all believe he was dying of cancer.
0: A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. I've been living a lie for a long time. He took the punishment. And that made us whole. To the best of my knowledge, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm well. So you're saying you, you don't have cancer?
0: To the best of my knowledge, no, I don't. I've never had... Um, a doctor hasn't diagnosed me with cancer, no.
2: So you've been conning people all this time?
0: I've been living a lie for more than just two years.
2: His family's been left reeling over his confession, been been including been been devastated Father, Father Danny, who founded the Edge Church in Adelaide.
0: We had no idea, we only grieved. That's what we did, we grieved at the possible loss of a son.
2: Thinking his son was dying, Guglielmucci Sr. had even begun to plan his son's funeral. Guglielmucci admitted going to great lengths to keep up the charade, deceiving his wife and even his own mother, sending phony emails from non-existent medical practitioners.
0: I did email my mum a few times and, and say to her, Mike's going to be okay, trying to alleviate, I suppose, um, the stress in her.
2: He maintained the subterfuge by having them drop him off at the hospital, but never accompany him inside. And his fraudulent performances before thousands came complete with oxygen bottle and mask. Thousands were conned and bought his song on CD and through iTunes, while the album reached number two on the ARIA charts. But admits it's not the first time he's deceived his nearest and dearest, all to cover up a fondness for pornography.
0: This is who I am. And I'm, I'm addicted to this stuff and it consumes my mind.
2: And he knows it's something people outside the church may not understand.
0: Growing up in a Christian home, being involved in Christian youth group and involved even in ministry, there was a great level of shame attached to that.
2: What connection and obsession with pornography has to perpetrating such a fraud on the faithful is hard to fathom. Yesterday, his father addressed his shattered congregation, confessing his son's sins.
0: In September of 2006, Mike had an accident and went to hospital. It was at this time, because of his torment of living a double life, Mike thought he could escape the pain by creating a diversion from his addiction to adult pornography so he created the cancer scenario.
2: Guglielmucci is now having psychiatric and other medical tests to work out what, if anything, is wrong with him. He's been asked to donate the song royalties to charity, while today his lawyer contacted police.
0: We will do whatever has to put this right, and if that's what we have to do, that's what we'll do. And I'm so sorry. Not just for lying to my friends and my family even about a sickness but i 'm sorry for a life of saying I was something but i 'm not from this day on i 'm telling the truth
1: you can 't really get your mind around it it 's unbelievable i mean a, a Christian pastor would would tell his wife, his children, his parents, his church that he had terminal cancer as a way to cover the concealed and hidden pain he 'd been. Enduring through his private addiction to porn. The oxygen tube, all of it, a deceit. What's interesting is that in the wake of it, you realize that song, Healer, Heal All My Disease, actually wasn't a, a lie, really, was it? I mean, in one sense, that song was quite true. Guglielmochi was quite sick. It just wasn't cancer that was killing him. It, it was another sickness within, one, one that was hidden from everyone. In just this little compartment, private, he kept over here that he worked really hard to keep hidden away and eventually believed that he had to fake terminal cancer to divert attention from this. And, and, and you shake your head. How, like, how's that, ha- how's, how's that happen? He, he's in psychiatric care for his addiction, but not before shipwrecking and rattling the faith of thousands of believers, particularly those in Australia. So pray for them. Pray for for Gugliamuchi's family, because God needs to heal him, put him back together in a, in a big way, not of cancer, but of a deeper sickness that he kept hidden for a very long time. Let's just repeat our words of wisdom together. Open our heart. Ready? The man of integrity walks securely. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. The capacity of the human heart to deceive not just others, but deceive itself is literally bottomless. What's interesting is that his addiction, um, the porn began when he was about 12 years old, dirty little secret through high school, full-blown online addiction in college. Kept it buried, compartmentalized, all the way through the beginning of his ministry, got married to, to, to a beautiful woman, no red flags, but eventually it came out because, you know why? Here's why. Because the rivets always get exposed. A boat with a leak is a boat with a leak. But it started small, and life is about the rivets. And icebergs just expose their integrity. There's a great little book that we're using kind of as inspiration for this series. It's called Deadly Viper Character Assassins by Mike Foster and Judd Wilhite, and, 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 who I want to give credit for shining a flashlight on this part of life, not many people are anxious to talk about. And they wrote this. They said, no one wakes up one day and decides to tank their lives, tank their career, their whole family because of integrity issues. Character doesn't leak, they write. It creeps. Very subtle. No one wakes. No, none of us in this room, we're watching online. We wake up one day and say, uh, uh, you know, we get out our journal. Dear diary, today I plan to adopt a nasty addiction. Uh, deceive my wife and kids in church, feign terminal illness, which will eventually destroy my marriage Minister, get me in hospital, maybe jail. Character creeps. It happens very subtly and slowly. Over time, it begins with very, very small little compromises that we think won't make a difference. So we draw lines in the sand and we kind of subtly fludge, fudge them or kind of stretch them a little and, and bend them again and again, see how far they go, and all of a sudden the rationalizations flood in and lead to areas we never thought we'd go. Character creep slowly chips away at integrity, and we think it'll never happen to us until it does. Because integrity, it's the foundation of the warrior way. It cuts across every area of our life. And, and we're all susceptible in different areas, Okay. Maybe it's not sexual integrity for you. Maybe it's financial integrity. You know, padding the account or kind of cooking the books at work. Or maybe fudging deductions, you know. Maybe you're a student. Academic integrity. You know, nowadays, click, click, crib papers off the internet. Yeah, here it is. Great. Did a little research. Thanks, Google. That's mine. Maybe it's relational integrity. We cut corners and cheat all the time, actually. Our children, our spouse, out of, out of time so we can carry on that kind of affair with our, with our jobs. You know how they say, you know that saying, don't sweat the small stuff? You know that one? Yeah, it sounds like words of wisdom, right? When it comes to integrity, biblical integrity, it's like just the opposite. The small stuff means everything. Because if you're faithful with the small stuff, Scripture says that God will actually know He can trust you with the bigger stuff because life is all about the rivets. And if you safeguard the small stuff, you can make it through choppy seas. But if you take shortcuts, eventually your compromise will be exposed. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. I I want you to think about your life for a minute. Just think about your life. What what areas are most vulnerable for you? It's, It's different for every one of us. But what areas is it easiest for you to compartmentalize, like I can put it over here and keep it kind of hidden or sectioned off from others. What areas threaten your integrity at this point in your life? Probably the most, where are you most vulnerable? And if you're saying like, well, I don't know, I haven't really thought, I I don't think there are any. (laughs) This is a question you're going to be discussing in your life groups this week. Okay. If you're not in a life group, by the way, great time to sign up and get involved. Life groups literally take what we're discussing here on Sunday and allow you to process it with friends during the week. And, I mean, you can go to Sunday, and Sunday's about information. Hmm, interesting idea. I'm taking things into my head passively. But if I talk about it with somebody, I put it into action. I go deeper even in God's Word. Now you're talking transformation, okay? And that's what we're after. What's it for you, though, in your life? What smaller areas are most vulnerable to character creep? Again, it could be financial, relational, sexual. We're going to hit on all these in the series, and we all have them. But it doesn't have to be big and spectacular. Like Michael Gugliamucci. Think rivets, the small stuff. For me personally, as I was just kind of thinking this through this week, like integrity, what does that mean? Like I'm the same person. I'm integrated. I say what I, you know, I started thinking about this thing, and uh, like where are the rivets weaker in, in my life, my ministry, my marriage, and everything? <clears throat> and I instantly thought of a recurring one. I know it seems small and everything, but it's, those of you who are married, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, Colleen and I have gotten into a little bit of a rut. Uh, with, okay, I got into a rut. When I, I t- <laughs> school started, I kind of, you know, she's going to be with the kids, and I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll tell you when I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home at, you know, 6.15 or whatever. And she would go around kind of planning her day around it, and, and she does. She, it's, like, really important to her. I didn't think it was that big a deal. But inevitably, you know what happens, right, at work. Stuff. Stuff comes up. It just does. And more often than not, I've got stuff to do when, when, you know, 6 o'clock rolls around, work goes late, a meeting runs over, I've, you know, and I'm not home. And I'm rolling in 20 or 30 minutes after I told her kind of where I'd be here. And you just think it's like, well, so what? You're late. But here's the deal. I got all sorts of great reasons for why this is. Dude, I am a great spinner. Uh, there was a crisis, you know, there's meetings, email messages. I heard something from God. I need to write that down. What typically happens is as I pull in that driveway, I literally, my hard drive starts spinning up. Spins, spins, and spin's a good word for it. I start making excuses. Spinning it in my head and figuring what I'm going to say when I walk in that will divert attention from the fact that actually I am not a man of my word. That I broke my word. That I lied. That I, that I actually promised I'd prioritize her at the end of the day. Honor our relationship that way. But you know what? At the end of the day, I choose differently. More often than not, more than I'd like to admit, and as I started thinking about the rivets that make up a marriage, a relationship, I came to realize that's not just like being late sometimes. It's an integrity issue. She needs to know I'm a man of my word, and I know it's kind of a small thing. Easy to pass off is no big deal, because, but here's the deal, folks. Most relationships don't implode over one obvious here comes the iceberg. The, the, the huge, it's the stuff you don't see coming. Most marriages, it's the seams that come apart under pressure because it's the small stuff, the rivets that got neglected or fudged along the way. You get the idea? Integrity, wholeness, completeness, oneness in every area of your life. Words, and a- words actions, integrated. That's a starting point for me. That's a bend in my life. What, what's it for you? And, and here's the deal. I understand some of you are, are literally are like right now. You're checking out a little bit because you're like, dude, that's nothing. <laughs> In fact, I'm kind of relieved to hear you say that. Okay. <laughs> because all right, all right. You get home late. Like, whatever, dude, at least you're not like that googly and dude, man. That's a pastor with like this massive hidden porn problem. I mean, there's character creep. And then there's just a guy who's a creep, you know, now, don't you dare go there because that's not the warrior way. When you pile on someone who's obviously wounded, because you know the truth, that could be any of us. In fact, I actually worried that that example will actually foster many of us kind of this false sense of security. Well, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, pack out stadiums or sell albums or, 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 you know. It'd be easy to say, well, that's what happens when people get too big for their britches. But it's not true. Remember this. My life, your life is about this, the rivets. It's not about the size of the hole at the end. It's about the smaller decisions you and I make in the everyday process of building our lives either on God's unchanging truth or very shifting sand. And when the pressure hit, our character gets exposed for what it's been all along. And I dare say, honestly, real candidly, that were you or I or anyone in this room put in the same circumstances under the same stresses, under the same temptations, the same opportunities for self-deceit, many of us would suffer the same failure because we all share the same vulnerabilities. So you know what? We're not going to pile on Michael Gugliamucci and go home today thanking God I'm not him. Because that's pride. And Scripture said pride goes before a what? Yeah. Which is why the warrior needs something different. Not judgment, something called Grace. Hear me this. I want to talk directly to some of you in this room, or if you're watching, or if you're listening online, maybe you've made mistakes, or maybe you've been hurt by somebody who's who's made some, maybe big, maybe small, rivet size. The Deadly Viper authors write, life is about mistakes and grace. Make mistakes and then greater grace, Susie. Integrity isn't a destination, But it is a journey towards becoming a more whole, complete, and healthy follower of Christ. Faithful to God, those he puts in our lives. And when you blow it, or you encounter someone who's blown it, God gives you a choice. He gives each of us a choice to respond with the way of the world or respond with the way of the warrior. My favorite all-time movie, and now I'm going to take out the big sword. My favorite all-time warrior movie, Gladiator. Now that one? Russell Crowe, Maximus. You remember the closing scene? Maximus draws swords to fight, actually, the evil Roman emperor Commodus, right? Brutal battle. The Commodus, true to his corrupt nature, cheats. And Maximus prevails. And if the stadium's there, the emperor falls to his knees and the hero will rise. And Maximus stands there. And do you remember what they chant? What do they chant? Kill him, kill him. And you're waiting for the sword to drop and chop off his head. But Maximus raises it and lowers it and what does he do? He drops it to the ground and he walks away. And he dies. And Rome is saved. This is a recurring theme folks. It is a twist in many warrior epics that teach us something very important. In the wake of failure, true warriors don't respond with judgment and vengeance. In the wake of catastrophic failure, they embrace a higher higher code, the divine attributes of mercy and the radical forgiveness of God called grace. A second chance. Maybe maybe you've blown it, maybe big time. I'm I'm guessing things we're talking about is going to touch some nerves with some people or you know someone who's blown it big time, okay? And and if so, right now, today, you're in an extraordinary position to take a step forward (laughs) because in our world, when someone blows it, the world cheers off with their head. Throw them out, right? We, don't, we, we love those shows because we love seeing people get knocked off their pedestal. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we love that, by the way? How does it make us feel? A little bit better about what we got going on. That's called pride and that's called cowardice. When you actually take pleasure in the downfall of another person. It's not the way of the warrior and it's not the way of God because the ultimate warrior never did that. In coming to this earth to die in our place... For our flaws, for my failings. God literally found a way to destroy sin and death without destroying us. And the only way he could do that is actually by taking the sword into himself. That's what the cross is, that's what Christianity is, at the center of it. Jesus Christ saying, I'll die. To give them a second chance. Because that's the heart of the warrior. A fierce love. A scandalous grace. That surpasses the greatest sin. Love that would sacrifice itself to save another. In the cross we see beauty. We see honor. We see strength. We see nobility. Maybe you've blown it. And you're wishing you could have a second chance. That's, That's why Jesus came to this earth, He came to give you a second chance. It's why He died—to cancel your sins, to forgive your greatest failures. Today, I want to invite you to do one of two things today. Maybe you're in one of two different spots. Maybe, maybe I'll speak first to those of you who are in the need in, in need of forgiveness. Maybe that's why God brought you here today, just to speak to you about some of the, the, the smaller stuff in your life that you've been kind of ignoring, but He's surfaced it today. And you know why? Not not. Not, not to make you feel guilty. It's because he loves you and he wants to save you from sinking. If you've been living with guilt or heaviness, you can leave today different. It takes radical honesty, not with me, but with your Savior, Jesus Christ. You t- that's what the cross is. Take it to the ultimate warrior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness and a second chance. And just be honest. C- tell, that's what confession is, telling God what he already knows about us. And saying, Lord, would you make me new? Would you cleanse that? Fact, bow our heads, Everyone can bow their heads here. Everyone's at a different place. But maybe you came in light as a feather. And now you're feeling heavy. And it's because you aren't meant to carry that weight that you're bearing. It's why God sent Jesus. As a sacrifice for our sins. And to relieve us with forgiveness. You can leave lighter today. God doesn't do guilt. That's not why he sent Christ. To make us feel worse. But to set us free for good. And you can have a second chance. You can be made right. Walk out of here right now through honest confession. So as we bow our heads, just to give you a little space and time, Dave, talk to Jesus, tell him what he already knows. Honesty is all that's required. If that's you, let's just take some moment for quiet prayer here. Father, we come to you in total radical honesty, Father, because we know we can trust you. Greater love has no one than this, that you laid down your life for us, for me. you've never prayed before, you just simply say, God, I come to you in humility and honesty about my mistakes. Here they are. I confess them to you. Jesus, I ask your forgiveness and I want a second chance. A chance at new life, not cloaked in darkness, based on your truth. So come into my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me as I am. Be my Lord and Savior. And pray that right now I receive your cleansing as never before. If that's your prayer today, would you just keep your head bowed? You just raise your hand right now. Just go out a quick flash just so I know I can see you. You Say, that's me right now. I see you right there. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. God has heard your prayer. In the back, heard your prayer. Over there on the... Absolutely. God has heard this. This is your moment. You are cleansed. This is God's... God's truth. This is the word of God. If that is your prayer, you you need to know that your sins are gone and you are a new creation. The Bible says, behold, the old is gone and the new has come. And there's a fresh start for you because you you are forgiven. The Bible has a new label for you. You are a forgiven and free child of God. That's God's truth about you. Would you... Those of you who put your hands up, just see me after the service. I just want to welcome you to to God's family. Second group of people, I want to invite to pray right now. Maybe you need to extend forgiveness. Maybe someone in your life has blown it big time. Catastrophic failure. Failed you, failed others, and you're either judging them or distancing yourself from them because it would be easier to throw them out. Right now, would you be willing to ask God for the strength to forgive? Like Jesus forgave you. Let's, Let's do that together. Let's ask Christ for strength to forgive. Jesus, right now, would you bring your Holy Spirit into this place? It's why we're here. Not to hear some tidbits. We want to be filled up new. Give us the strength to forgive others as you've forgiven us. Lord, we want to come alongside those in our lives who've blown it. Encourage them to gently restore those who've blown it or who are on the verge of blowing it. We release them now to you, Father. We, we bring them to our head. We even say their names in our mind, Lord, and give them to you for healing. Father, I ask that you give us the foresight to respond with grace because we know we're going to be in need of grace ourselves. We ask that you bless the Gugliamuchi family, God. We ask for your healing and restoration for our our brothers and sisters in Australia. Thank you, Father, for the extravagant forgiveness available to each of us through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray.